0: Thank you, God, for calling us to this place to worship you. Lord, thank you for calling us to Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just thank you for what Jesus has done. We thank you for what you've freely given to us. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, uh, your generosity towards us, your forgiveness, your patience, your long-suffering with us, dear Lord. And I just give thanks for each and every person here and anyone else who you're going to be bringing here today. Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit is in our midst, and I just pray that you would find um, our hearts open to receive just a little more of your Holy Spirit, Lord, in our lives. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would enlighten um, your word and your gospel to us, God, and that um, we could just draw closer to you and just... Give up more of ourselves and our lives to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, today, tomorrow, and forever. And Lord, I just pray that you will take these words that I bring and um, and just expand and enlarge upon them for your people to hear. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. good morning. It is uh, nice to be with you. Um, I guess the worship team's still up there, so maybe. We'll take a little poll. Who would like to uh, have us sing Hail, Hail, Lion of Judah again and maybe some other songs? <laughs> and then who wants to have a sermon? So, uh oh, G- guys, get moving quick, okay? I think they're going to want you. So, well, it looks like Beverly doesn't want to turn around, so I think I'm safe. So, thank you, Beverly. Um, another, I guess, uh, I don't know what the, just maybe I, I probably so that you don't um, don't feel like you've been baited and switched or you know that uh, you know you're at the wrong place and channel. It says generosity here. Well, I didn't get them a I didn't get the office a sermon title. Um, I was away uh, celebrating my 80 not mine not my 85th birthday but my father's 85th birthday. And so was was away and didn't get back until Tuesday night. So. At that time, I did—I really couldn't come up with a, a sermon title, so they picked generosity. I included it in my prayer. Maybe we'll hear it a little more, but that's probably—that is not the main focus of my sermon. So, just so you know. But you know, I heard some pretty famous preachers. You know, I heard one guy once say it was what Jesus would do if he was at the United Nations. And then he got up and he said, "I have a conf- I have something to tell you. My sermon has nothing to do." with the United Nations, but they asked for a sermon title two weeks earlier, and so I'm not preaching that one today. So, But we're far from the United Nations, so to ask you a question. If you're like me, well, well, I think I know what the answer is going to be. Who wants to be first in line? Who wants to be the first to be served? Who wants to be first in your job at school? I want to be first. I think it's Certainly a human tendency, and there's good things about that because it, you know, helps to motivate us. How many like to wait in line, you know, at a store or at a restaurant? And as I'm taking an exercise break and then I'm going to go get myself some food, I I stop at the store because I forgot something, you know, in, in the morning. You know, you figured I'd spent $100 worth of food. I'd been gone for a long time, that I could could get the one thing that I, one of the things I most wanted. I mean, I I bought sour cream for the potatoes, but I didn't get potatoes, so I stopped there. And you know, I go in the line, you know, I'm in a hurry. I got a sermon I've gotta finish. And I'm looking, you know, I look at the line, and I'm sure none of, there's nobody else in here who does this. Okay, which line is gonna go fastest? And then if you're really sick like I am, you take a look. I think that person's going to be a little slow at the, back at the counter. Who's going to be the fastest? So, you know, I do that. Then I go to my favorite, uh, I guess we'll call it a restaurant, Chipotle, to get a burrito. And, you know, Chipotle has the same stuff out every time. Well, there's these two ladies in front, and they're taste testing. This is taking like five minutes. There's nobody else. I go, it's a burrito. <laughs> They have the same stuff. i got a sermon I have to work on. So, they're taste testing the barbacoa pork. And I don't know what else they were t- Was it like the, the, the uh, pico de gallo or something? I mean, come on. Maybe they'd never been there. So, uh, you know, I just confess. And then let's turn to driving in, in Los Angeles. And I don't need to say anything else. I'm sure there's nobody in here who kind of maybe cuts somebody off, maybe, you know, you know, crosses across a road and then leaves their car sitting out there so the cars have to stop. I'm sure I'm the only one who does that here. You know, it's driving in Los Angeles and after spending, you know, five days back in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, there's quite a difference. Not that there aren't route drivers back there and people who want to be first and, and get out there and, and I have to confess, there was one time, and it was several years ago, and I can't remember whether I didn't know or I actually did it. I, I kind of cut somebody off a little bit and got in front of them. And then I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm going, that person lives across the street from me. So, <laughs> fortunately, they didn't know me too well. So, well, I, I won't continue, but I say these things because... At the end of Matthew chapter 19 and and at the end of our Gospel passage, Jesus says these words, but many who are first will be last and the last first. So the last will be first and the first last. He says that twice. Notice He reverses the order. Do you buy into what Jesus is saying? Do you know what Jesus means when He's saying these things? These two verses frame... Today's gospel passage. They come before, at the end of chapter 19, and then in verse 16, after Jesus is told his parable, they complete it. And when you analyze it, when you when same similar words and phrases are kind of put at the beginning and end of a passage, you can think of it like those are the two pieces of the bun or two pieces of bread, and in the middle, you know, is the meat. And in this case, those verses really give us some real understanding of what Jesus is saying in this parable of the vineyard workers. But before I get to today's passage, um, I'm sorry, I don't have any maps. Uh, You might even, I guess it says generosity. Maybe even we turn that off, but we won't get too difficult there. Um, Yeah, I don't come with maps, sorry about that. Or videos, but... I don't know. Maybe if you guys pray hard enough, maybe it'll happen sometime in the future, but not today. But in, in chapter 19, there's three other passages I want to briefly talk about because depending on, there are certain commentators will say today's passage is part of a bigger one that starts back in chapter 19, verse 16. But prior to that, Jesus blesses children... He tells a rich young ruler what he needs to do to enter into eternal life. And then he tells his 12 disciples at the end of chapter 19 that they will inherit eternal life. So what we see starting at verse 13, 13 to 22 in chapter 19, you see a great contrast. You have children who sadly in first century Jewish life were at the low end of society. They, thankfully, children, you know, there's much greater importance placed on them today. Not to say that they weren't, but they were, they were considered lowly. And then, of course, you have a rich, young man who's at the top of society. So you have, you know, quite a contrast. And so, the children are brought to Jesus so he can pray for them. And then the 12 disciples of all people say, get out of here, kids you know, and they didn't want any of that. But Jesus disagreed and he, and he said, leave the children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven is made up of people like this. Jesus doesn't buy into society, social status and values and neither should his followers. And then next, after this, we have a rich young man who comes and he approaches Jesus and he asks Jesus, what he must do to have eternal life. He has a lot of possessions, he's made a lot of money, and that eternal life is just something else you know, that he can acquire, that word have. Jesus says, if you want to enter into life, and there is an important distinction, you, know, you enter that, you walk into that, keep the commandments, those commandments being the Ten Commandments, or actually it could be all the commandments in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So then the young man, you know, smart young man that he is, he asked Jesus which ones. So Jesus tells him answers by reciting five of the ten commandments. Uh, Do not murder, commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And then Jesus concludes by saying and love your neighbor as yourself. So the young man smugly replied, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Well, Jesus is going, well, you know, you idolize money. You idolize possessions. You think pretty highly of yourself. You put yourself before God. You serve money before God. So Jesus doesn't say these words as I've said them, but He goes, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your belongings, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So the young man wouldn't do this. He wouldn't give up his possessions nor surrender control of his life. So he walked away grieving since he valued his earthly life and possessions more than life with God, lived God's ways. And the disciples are listening to this and they're pretty astonished at what they hear because if you're wealthy and successful, it was commonly... Thought that uh, you know that was you were favored by God, and that you know God was pleased with you, and it was blessing for a faithful life. And then Jesus goes on to tell them, you know, to illustrate and talk about you know how difficult it is for a rich person um, to enter the kingdom of God because they have so much that they don't really need anything, and they're very self-sufficient. So. You know, as he often does, and he's the spokesperson for the disciples, Peter responded to Jesus and he says, look, we have left everything and followed you, so what will there be for us? Now we don't know what Peter is really thinking there, what he's asking for. And Jesus replied that the disciples will receive the greatest thing in the world. And that's eternal life, in the presence of God. And then he also kind of, and I'll skip this, tells them you know, the high position they're going to have when Jesus comes again as he judges the world. The kingdom of God reverses the priorities and values of this world. The rich man and the twelve disciples wanted to be first and the greatest. We know that, that the disciples had some of this because... The mother of James and John asked Jesus if her two sons could sit at Jesus' right and his left. So these are the people closest to Jesus. And this desire for human you know, achievement and position and status you know, is alive and well, and it's always going to be alive in us. But the kingdom of God and Jesus' ways and his example and his life are what help us and allow us to not let that overcome us. And Jesus says in the kingdom of God, many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus doesn't see things the way that we do, left to our own devices. So that brings us to the parable of the vineyard workers that Deacon Diane read. And Jesus drives home that message of many who are first will be last and the last first. And Jesus begins this parable by saying, For the kingdom of God, and I'm going to use the word landowner rather than householder landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers in his vineyard. It's the harvest season. There are many, many grapes to be picked off the vines, many more. There's, he needs a lot more workers than he normally has on hand. This is the busy season of the year, you know, like whether it be UPS or Target. Amazon at Christmas time, hiring all kinds of extra workers, that's what this landowner needed to do. And it's not, and this isn't the only parable that Jesus uses of a vineyard, but vineyards were important in Israel, and they were plentiful in the rich soils of Galilee. And in the Old Testament, God often referred to Israel as his vineyard. Israel was God's chosen people. So the landowner goes out early in the morning to hire extra workers. These would be day laborers. I don't know about you, but on my one of my routes into work, I have seen people looking for work standing at Home Depot, waiting for people to come to hire them. It would be kind of a similar thing. And so there are workers there. The man hires them at 6, and they're all set to work a 12-hour shift, which would be common at this busy time of year. And he agreed to pay them one denarius. And let's just say, you know, with minimum wage, depending upon, we're not up at $15 an hour yet, but let's just say that rate in today's money would be about 150 maybe $200, but let's just call it $150. And so they start working. And then the landowner goes out again at 9, he goes out at noon, he goes out at 3 p.m., and he hires more workers. And he said, I'll, I'll, I'll do what's right. And he doesn't say how much he's going you know, to, to pay them. And then, interestingly, he goes out one more time at 5 o'clock to bring in another set of workers to work one hour before the last work hour of the day at 6 p.m. comes. And so it's the end of the shift it's the end of the day and day workers would be paid at the end of their work and these day laborers were about as low as you can get on the social scale in Israel at this time they only slaves had a lower position and many of these day laborers were former slaves so these are people at the low, the low end of society from a human perspective so the landowner tells his foreman to start paying the workers and I would think you'd pay the ones who've been there the longest, who've been there all day, but no. This landowner pays the workers who started at five o'clock right there so that all the other workers can see how much these folks who had worked one hour were getting paid. And so the foreman pulls out a denarius or $150, $150, and gives it to them, And then the rest of them come through. And then we have those workers that have been there all day. And they told the landowner how hard it was. We were out there when it was hot, and you know we labored all day. And he paid them the same rate, one denarius. Everybody got the same rate. And I think, understandably, those workers aren't too happy. What is this? we work 12 hours and we get 150 dollars and these stiffs who come for one hour they get 150 dollars they got 150 dollars per hour you paid me 12 dollars and 50 cents what's going on it'd be understandable and then the landowner says i haven't done you any harm we agreed you agreed to be paid one denarius for the day the common daily wage rate for this type of work but i have chosen to pay others the same amount and he doesn't you know he doesn't go into it but he's chosen to to maybe you know to pay them for the work that they did and then to give them even more to give them what they didn't deserve and then he He kind of asks them, he says, You know, I have the right, don't I, to be generous and to pay the last man who arrived, the one, you know, working just an hour. I have the right to pay him whatever I want. It's my business, it's not your business. And do you really have a right to be jealous because I'm generous? We see this very vividly in Jonah. Jonah. I mean, I know you don't like the Ninevites, but in a lot of ways, I mean, God has told you, He told you to preach to them so they would repent. Then He went in the whale for three days, and now He's out of the whale, and He's still hot. He's still upset because God is going to save those wicked, evil Ninevites. It's a similar type thing. And really a lot of the same thing. I mean, you didn't you didn't make them you didn't create these people just like the the plant for shade you know when i when i take it away and then you know jonah wants to to die and jesus then after this concludes his parable by saying so the last will be first and the first last so if we look at this parable we have a landowner we have workers we have the rate of pay jesus is using this and he's got other people in mind. The landowner, who's the landowner? God. We said the vineyard was often referred to as Israel. I mean, Israel was referred to as God's vineyard. Well, the workers are God's people. And the denarius in this parable is eternal life with God. That's what God is giving out. But what's beautiful here is God's not giving it out based upon human worth and, and what work that we do. It's God's free gift. We do have to do something. We have to you know, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. But in God's kingdom, believers in Jesus all receive the same pay and the same benefit. And that's eternal life in the presence of God. It doesn't matter if you enter into the kingdom by believing in Jesus, if you're three years old, if you're 30 years old, 40, 60, 80, 90. It doesn't matter when you come to first believe. You could, there are people who come to, to believe on their deathbed. Everyone who believes in Jesus gets eternal life. And you don't, God doesn't give out any more or any less eternal life. That's what Jesus means when he says, so the last will be first and the first last. And that's good news for us. Because none of us are anywhere near good enough. We're all sinners. And and I thank God. And and as we look at this life, it can be, you know, there's a lot of things like in this parable that don't seem fair. I mean, it doesn't seem fair that you know you work one hour and you get one hundred and fifty dollars and you work twelve hours and you get twelve fifty. Well, we know in this life, we see things that we don't understand that don't seem fair. There's things that we don't like. But when we look at what what's most important, no matter what we go through and it and it can be very difficult at times for all of us and you know, and, and there are people who have a whole lot more challenges and a whole lot more difficulties. But at the end of the day, the most important thing in life is life with God. And this parable is just a, a great parable. And it teaches us different things about God. And one of the, the, the most important things it teaches us is God's grace and mercy. Because... None of us deserve to live in God's presence and God doesn't owe us anything. He created us. And He originally created us to live in perfect fellowship and harmony with Him. But it didn't take long for Adam and Eve you know, to sin. And then Israel just turned, you know, turned away from God again and again and again. And God just continued to invite His people in. And then He gave up the, made the ultimate sacrifice by giving His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that everyone who believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. God has given us the most important... I mean, He gave us our physical life because He created us and He gives us our spiritual life and what really matters. And He gives us this life with God to live while we're here on earth but to also to live for eternity with Him. And the landowner did the same. He chose to give something that workers didn't deserve. And and especially those last ones who were hired, not only did he pay them more, but when you think about it, one hour's worth of work. He didn't really need them, but he wanted to help meet their need. They were unemployed. They needed money to live. And this parable also teaches us because there's different levels of work and contribution that God doesn't reward us based upon our works. Because everybody, no matter how much they worked, all were paid the same. One denarius. And so it doesn't matter whether you're the pope, you're the archbishop, you're a bishop, you're the president of the United States or, or, or any other nation. You have your, your president of a, of a company, you're famous, whatever. It doesn't matter because no one is more, any more or less worthy of God's grace, mercy and forgiveness than anyone else. And we are mistaken when we think that we deserve more from God because we work hard or harder for God and we work harder for His kingdom because our good works don't make us right with God. We do our good works out of appreciation and gratefulness for what God has done for us. So as I begin to move to a close, I just I want to just throw a few more things out there for you, know, you to you know, meditate on and think about you know, after you leave here and some of them are going to be what i've kind of what i've said and and one of those things is that we should take great delight in the grace and mercy which god gives to us because as i said we can't do anything to earn god's grace or salvation and his forgiveness of sin we can't make ourselves worthy all we have to do is believe in jesus and confess our sins Because God is faithful to forgive our sins when we confess our sins. And then we also see generosity. So, Diane, you can put the thing back up again. No, I'm just kidding. We see God's great generosity when He paid, when He even hired these last workers. And we should give thanks for how generous God is. Because He has done so much for us, and He sustains us, and He keeps us alive, no matter what we go through, no matter what we are thinking. And so, and and there was somebody at where I work at Los Angeles Mission, downtown, where we serve the poor and the homeless, just thinking about food. Sometimes, you know, we can complain about the food because some of the food we get are what you would call leftovers, from others you know we get a lot of donated food so it's easy to complain about that we can complain about our shelter but then someone just said well yeah it could be worse at least i have food at least i have shelter so we should give thanks for what we have and just like well i don't have enough money well give thanks for what we do have or my spouse well now i won't go i won't go there um God's ways are not our ways. And this is what God does for us, but also this is an exam- This is also how He wants us to live. And it's also this mercy, this grace, this generosity of God is what allows so many good things to happen. What was it a month ago? We, we were participating in the family promise where we had... Was it four homeless, three homeless, four homeless families came to to sleep here? It was a small thing, but we did our part as this group and other churches, synagogues are helping these people to get shelter, you know, to get housing, and also to get employed so that they can get and keep and sustain housing. Um, While I was back uh, in Milwaukee, I was very blessed to, and it was really through you know it was through a friend of a friend that i went to see this ministry called the community warehouse and they also it's called milwaukee working same type principle and actually the man i met with had been a very successful and still is about in his maybe early 60s successful businessman and but he is pouring a lot of his efforts now into helping people who are in really bad shape because milwaukee has a lot of poverty in certain parts of town and uh, these people, most of the people that they get were come from prison, they're referred from prison, from you know the district attorney, you know they have criminal records. I met when we were going out a new location that they were just opening up and he said I met these three men who basically renovated most of this outside. This thing's about a 20,000 square foot retail area in one of the worst uh, most crime-ridden places in Milwaukee to allow people to buy low-cost items for their home to help keep them, you know, in in housing. But these men, all of them had, you know, had been in prison anywhere from 5 to 10 years. But their lives, they've all been with this organization for 5 to 9 years, and their lives are turned around because of the generosity of people who supported this organization and also people who looked with God's eyes that these were people whom God loved and whom Jesus died for, and that could be redeemed. And so, and that's part of what you know, makes this world a better place. And it's too bad we don't see more of that you know, in, our, in our news. And then, lastly, you know, we see that these workers were jealous and they were envious of the landowner giving more than people deserved. And... That is also something that was, at least for me, was very helpful you know, to see and in certain respects convicting because we do, you know, we, it's just our natural tendency to want to build ourselves up. But it's a, it's a reminder you know, that in God's eyes, you know, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And it's part of Jesus, once again, going back to those words, the last will be first and the first last. Jesus calls us to put him first and to put our earthly pursuits behind that, or last, as we would say. Because worldly things and pursuits don't yield kingdom of God rewards and treasures in heaven. Relationships with God, relationships with other people, loving God, loving your neighbor as yourself. Those are rewards that last for eternity. And that's what Jesus, to me, is driving at when He says, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. So as I leave you, focus on loving God, loving Jesus Christ above all else, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen.